Working on Thomas. Gets around him. Up under and in. Oh, what a move for Kyrie Irving. Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome into the Up and Under podcast. I'm your host, Hani. Joins with me, as always, it's Zeeshan. What's good? If you guys didn't check out last week's episode, definitely check it out. We went over the, some of the playoff races going in for both conferences. We talked about the best teams in the Eastern Conference, who we think is going to come out of the East, and also our thoughts on the second best team in the West that can challenge the Warriors. So definitely check that out if you haven't already. But on this week's episode, we are very close to the NBA playoffs, which means that the regular season is almost over. So we figure that it's probably a good time to start going over the award races for this season. So we'll start off by going over each and every single award, breaking down which players we feel are in the running for those awards, and we'll also give our picks on those as well. So without any further ado, let's get started with uh, Rookie of the Year. So I guess the first one, consensus guy. Well, I mean, he he was consensus. I don't know about now. Well, he is a consensus for the top, top three in Rookie of the Year, and we're talking about Luka Doncic. Currently averaging about 21 a game, uh, averaging about 6 assists, 7.6 rebounds, shooting about 54% from the field, 33% from three. Honestly, he's been the most consistent rookie all season. He's been Well, the, I mean, yeah, from rookie of the year. Like, so from, from beginning, the beginning of the season, of the season to the from end. beginning of the season to, to, to right now, he has been the most consistent, which he's been the clear-cut leader. He's had great shooting, great playmaking abilities, and... Great clutch shots. Yeah, and he's literally just become the future for the Dallas Mavericks. Like, everyone thought it was going to be Dennis Smith Jr., but... I, I was iffy on Dennis Smith Jr. Well, I mean, before game. they drafted Luka, they thought Dennis Smith was going to be the future, but now it's clearly Luka is, is their future. They made that very clear, and he's one of the top top players for Rookie of the Year. Um, I think we can talk about pretty much, I think, why he's favorite right now, I guess. Um... How mature his game is in terms of maturity being, and also just the, just that how comfortable he looks exactly. in the NBA since day one. Exactly, and, and that, obviously that has to do with uh, him being a Euro League MVP, obviously second best. Won like, the Euro League, yeah, Euro League championship. So obviously, if you dominate the second best league in the world as a what was he, eighteen year old? I think yeah, I think he was 18 eighteen. Eighteen year old. Then I mean. Obviously, the NBA is probably like nothing to him. It's like, okay. Well, the NBA is not like it's as probably, big of a jump as it is for exactly other like for like he's more comfortable. Especially he's played with older older players. You know he's he he understands the speed a lot of the times. Like rookies coming out of college, yeah, exactly. They don't understand the speed of the game. Luca's already been playing professional basketball for like a, many years, mm-hmm. so the speed wasn't a big issue for him. So um, one thing obviously. As is with like most rookies, um, he could improve on the defensive end. Yeah, which... I mean he's not he's not terrible. He he has good size, good good length. It's just that you just got to get better. And and to... I don't know if you can necessarily say that he'll ever be a great defender, since yeah. I think a lot of that has to do with obviously his lack of like foot speed and stuff. Yeah. So I don't know if you can ever say a like, lot of his value be... really does come from on the offensive side. Like so, as long as he can become at least decent on defense, then yeah, as long as you're having a plus rating, I think is all that yeah. matters. Speaking of uh, another guy that had trouble adjusting to speed of game, um, I think obviously clear cut second right now, or in some people's eyes, for a favorite of rookie of the year. I think uh, Blake Griffin co-signed him. 
Um, who else? Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell. Endorsed him. And a couple other guys. I don't a couple remember. other guys also said it. That was after um, the game winner against. Yeah, uh, exactly. Against the Lakers, I think it was right. Lakers. He, he hit that game winner over LeBron. Or was it against the Sixers? That I don't know. I can't remember. This guy's hit a hit a bunch of game winners. Yeah, he's he's already had a bunch of clutch moments in the NBA, which is crazy. Um, we're talking about Trey Young. Uh, of the Atlanta Hawks, uh, he's averaging about 19 points a game, 7.9 assists, so eight assists already as a rookie. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 42% field goal percentage, which is expected to with all the like crazy shots he takes, 33.3 uh, percent from three, so almost league average. But he has turned it on as of recently. Like he's exactly. recently he's been shooting a lot better from um, three. He's shooting 54%. Uh, that's his true shooting percentage and. Of course, uh, he's averaging almost like four turnovers, which is to be expected. But like he's um, a he's a point guard, so he has the ball in his hand. He's also a rookie, also playing on the Hawks. Yeah. So a lot of those won't even be his fault. Like exactly, if he throws a pass that just happens to get picked off, mm-hmm. you, you know it's. it's um, he struggled thing. in the first like couple of months, especially with shooting and dealing with NBA pressure, dealing with NBA defenses, and we could see he was all uncomfortable. Um, in the first couple of months, because the pressure was also there, especially because of how well Luca was playing. Exactly. So, like, obviously, their careers are always going to be linked, mm-hmm. right? So, like, but you know, recently Trey has made this a very—he's made a very good case for Rookie of the Year. You know, he's ever since the All Star break, he's been playing very well. You know, getting a lot of double doubles. He's hit a bunch of game winners, and honestly, he's starting to blossom into that player that everyone thought he could be coming out of the draft. So. Trey has been looking a lot better. Has his shots been uh, actually going in now? Uh, he's shooting great. Uh, his passing was always there from day one. We could all see his passing. But now him becoming a more efficient passer, being able to read NBA defenses better. Him and John Collins are a very good pairing. Exactly. Like, they, they have really good chemistry. And you can tell, like, his teammates just love playing with, playing with him, like, Trae Young, anyone who plays with Trae Young just loves playing And with even even if he's not making his shots, he's always going to be a threat on the court with just the threat of his shooting, pretty much. Yeah, being like, able to pull up from, like, 35. It's like the Steph stuff, Curry. Pretty much. Steph just being Curry's able to team. pull up from anywhere inside half court. Yeah. But, like, really what made this a major debate was how Trae Young really just jumped on this hot streak, you know, starting from the All-Star break and... He's really made it a debate now whether or not if it, is it Luca is it Trey, that's why it's a it's a question mark on who's gonna be rookie of the year. And um, I think the third person for rookie of the year, although it's gonna come down between the top two of Trey Young and Luca Doncic, kind of a sleeper. Um, a sleep. Well, okay, uh, we're talking about DeAndre Ayton. He's averaging around sixteen points, uh, ten rebounds, and he's shooting around fifty eight percent from the field. Um, he has quietly put up a very very good rookie campaign. Um, averaging a double-double while shooting very well from the field. However, um, I think the thing that hurts him, obviously, is the Suns being, like, the worst team in the yeah. league, which really hurts I mean, the chance. Mavs and the Suns... I mean, sorry, the Mavs and the Hawks aren't that much better, but you can see, like... Growth, some yeah. kind of, like, a little bit of, uh, like, talent, at least. Yeah, like, you can see, like... Dallas, besides, besides... Dallas was looking good before, like... At least the other teams have a point guard. Yeah. Who, who, who's Phoenix's point guard? Oh, man. Like, <laughs> I don't even... I can't even name off the top of my head. Are they starting Eli Okubo? No, no, they're no not idea. starting Eli Okubo. Is Devin no, Booker wait. playing point guard for them? I don't understand. I think they might be playing Tyler Johnson at point. 
Oh yeah, unless, they he got, got Tyler, they unless got, he's injured. No, they got Tyler Johnson. Yeah, 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 that's true. That's that's how many Suns games we watch, by the way. Uh, and <laughs> like the fact that we don't even know like the Suns point guard coming from like really big NBA fans shows like what a mess that point guard they have. They've been running Devin Booker mostly at like the big point guard as the Harden role, pretty much. Pretty much, um, which is painful to watch since they can't even get a guy to give the ball to DeAndre in. But that's which is the- why. DeAndre Ainge should be averaging like 10 more points or something since he's that good. But problem is he gets like two shots a game pretty much. Yeah, I mean, Aiton, he's he can put up numbers. But like I, but like we said, like they're not really contributing to much right now. Uh, well, I mean, I don't think he can really contribute much if he's not getting the ball that's, either. That's true. But also one of the biggest things is that he needs to improve a lot on defense. Like this okay, guy. Okay, well, his defense, he's been better than expected. Okay, he's been, he's been decent. But when you have, like, if you're a seven-footer with a very good wingspan, a long wingspan, like, it shouldn't be that difficult. Plus, he's athletic, so he can be mobile. So there shouldn't really be much of an excuse as okay, to Okay, I'll, I'll give him a pass. His defense has been a lot better uh, than we expected coming out of college. Um, he's been trying. He's been getting a few blocks a game. Uh, yeah. But I, mean, I think it's just, it's just, these guys are all rookies, so I think with time, they'll be better. Yeah, DeAndre definitely. Ain, I think, will hopefully have... Uh, be de- pretty good on defense. Hopefully, yeah, definitely later on. Some honorable mentions for, for the rookie of the year category: Jaron Jackson ha- was was killing it before he got injured. Exactly, uh, that was very unfortunate. Colin Sexton has been doing well as of recently. Uh, obviously, like struggled coming out of the gate, just like Trey Young. Mitchell Robinson has actually really surprised me as well. Just overall, just being a little a spark plug for the Knicks, bringing some excitement to the Knicks this he season. Has, he's like one of the leaders in blocks and stuff. He's too. in the tops in, in yeah. blocks per game. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so who would you pick? Who's your rookie of the year pick right now if you had to Well, choose? I mean, I gotta say it's rookie of the year, not rookie of a few months, so I'd have to say Luka Doncic yeah. just because of the fact he started out that good. Yeah, I uh, agree. Compared to everyone else, pretty much. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I mean, like I never, I never hopped off the Luca bandwagon. I still believe he should have gone number one in the draft. But uh, hey, uh, Luca's gonna win. Hey, the big the thing year. with this draft is that even if you say Luca Doncic can go number one, uh, varying for like each team's needs, all these guys could have all gone like interchangeable, pretty much. This this draft class we can definitely say is very, very. It's a very, talented. it's a very deep class. It's That's very, sure. very talented. Yeah, from like the whole like. We just named, like, I don't know, like, what is it? Like, six, six rookies six that are, are hopefully probably going to have very good NBA futures, which is more than you can say for, like, most draft classes where it's, like, only, like, two or and three. And there are a couple more. We just didn't really have enough time exactly. to put them all in. But, you know, like, we didn't mention guys like Kevin Knox or even, like, guys who have still more potential to show. So exactly. the draft class was deep. And that's not even mentioning, like, guys like... A guy like Jimmy Butler, who nobody expected in his first season, then like in his yeah, third season like or whatever, the, uh, took a massive leap. Exactly, like a sleeper. Yeah. So now speaking of taking massive leaps, we're going to move on to the Most Improved Player Award. Now, there have been mainly, I guess, two guys in the running with maybe one guy who we put in there as an honorable mention. Well, no, I think he's in the running too. Yeah, but hasn't been as showcased, you know, like just because of his team. Yeah. But... The main guy, the front runner, in my opinion, is Pascal Siakam of the Toronto Raptors. Currently having his best season as a pro, averaging about 17 points a game, three assists, seven rebounds, shooting 55% from the field, 36% from three, a 63% true shooting percentage. 
when he's been the favorite, like the clear cut favorite, like he's been a decent bench piece for the last few years for the Raptors. Well, the, not even last few years, just last year. Before that, he was playing in the G League pretty much. But either way, like he wasn't a major focal piece for the Raptors for the last couple of seasons. But this season, he's literally developed into a key two way player and and arguably the second op- best option for the Raptors offensively. He's had multiple twenty point games, multiple double double games. Been shooting a career high from the from three. Um, you know, he's literally become an all around complete player. And Nick Nurse has truly embraced his skill set, giving him the ball more, allowing him to bring up the ball and. Allowing him to run fast breaks. Exactly, and make plays. Like, when I watch Pascal play, he looks like a, such a complete player. and He looks like he... I mean, it is a very good comparison of, like, um, a word, lesser version of Giannis. Pretty Except much, yeah. Pascal's actually... This season, the biggest knock on him was if he can actually shoot the ball from three. Mm-hmm. And this season, he's proved that he's, he can be a decent shooter from he's three. He's a good, a good shooter from the corner. Like, he's still got to work on his dribble pull-up, but, like... That, and that even that, even that has been looking better in recent months as well. He's been pulling up more. Exactly. Since the All-Star break, Pascal has been shooting very well, especially exactly. in the corners. He's been lethal from there. Um, sh- He's shooting 36% from three, so that's better than league average. For for a power forward, like he's, it's, it's, it's good enough, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> like, that's all you need. As long as he can stretch the floor for a guy like Kawhi Leonard or Kyle Lowry. I think the biggest thing, the biggest case you can make for him is that he is arguably the third most important piece on the second best team in the NBA. That which is saying a lot. That is that yeah that's that's a that's a big reason why after, he's been the favorite. Exactly after people. Lowry, Kawhi, um, and even Kawhi hasn't even played like how many games either, which he, is where he pa- like twenty games. At which least. is where Pascal Siakam has been the like best. Player, exactly. Didn't, his last game, he dropped like thirty-one points on. Exactly. Uh, who are they playing? I believe they're, the Knicks. They're playing the. I mean, yeah, they're playing the Knicks, but no Kawhi Leonard. Uh, and, and even Kyle Lowry's missed quite a few games as well. Yeah. And man. we've seen Pascal Siakam pick up the slack. the The biggest question this whole year for the Raptors was, and to be fair, that's still the question it's going into is. playoffs: is who can be the second option after Kawhi? Well, obviously, Lowry can't pick up the scoring load like he did before when he was younger. Um, but if Pascal can maintain that role of being the second option uh, on this team, I think you have to give him the most improved player. He's been... So- and also, one other thing is that so many more people just know who he is. Like, if you listen to like even the... YCP. Like, yeah, if you listen to uh, just the media now, nobody knew who Pascal Siakam even was last season. This season now, he's in a... He's in the conversation. Everyone knows who he is, and that's and a big don't thing. Don't forget, after, after um, D'Angelo Russell, I think um, he was probably he, he could have probably been the second uh, dude after D'Angelo Russell to make the All-Star game. He was very close. I would, I, I would have put him into the All-Star game, but, I mean, I do have kind of some bias. But you know what? Either way, speaking of D'Angelo Russell, he is our second, uh, our second candidate for, for the Most Improved Player Award. He's having his best season as a pro, like like Siakam. I mean, he's averaging about 21 points a game, 7 assists, 3.7 rebounds, shooting about 43% from the field, about 36% from deep. Like, D'Angelo has had a career season. After, like, struggling a lot over the last few years, being traded by, by Magic Johnson and the Lakers, you know, nobody thought D'Angelo was going to live up to the hype of the number two overall pick. And this season... He did struggle a bit at the start, but he came on fire. And 
has been a key piece for the Nets. He's been averaging his most his like best stats, obviously. But I think bigger than that, um, you can point to just how much more mature he is, mm, and the yeah. fact that he's been a leader and obviously an All Star this year. He's been the leader for a Nets team that is going to make the playoffs. That's the big thing. The Nets are winning games when he exactly. puts up numbers. And he's, as I said, he's been the leader of that team. Um, other guys, guys like Jared Dudley and um, Karis Silver and Spencer Dinwiddie all talk about how good of a leader he's been this season. And it's not just like he's been putting up empty stats. He's been showing up in the clutch moments when the Nets have needed him the most. Uh, case in point, when he when the Nets came back from like twenty five down against the Kings, which oh. was all D'Angelo Russell. That was big because I think that that the, didn't that eliminate did that either got them clinched to the playoffs or they no no they that eliminated the Kings from playoff Pretty contention. Pretty much. Well, I mean the Kings were already kind of eliminated that eliminated from, the Kings from playoff contention. So I mean either way, it it was a big it was a big win for them. Like, um yeah, but like as we said, I think if. He has a very good case. However, as we've said with Rookie of the Year also, it's the whole season. Um, he had a rough... He, he struggled coming into the season. However, in like around December into 2019, he really picked it up. But His three-point shooting has been the major key. Like He's been shooting a lot of threes. I think he now leads the, the, the Nets franchise in most threes made in a season. I think he's now the leader for them. Well, I mean, it's not... But like he's that's not really saying a lot with but like he's, how NBA. Has but he's changed. making a lot of threes, and that's. I mean, it changed his game. Like exactly, he's, he wasn't known as a shooter coming in, and now all of a sudden he's developed a jumper. The best, up. the best case for D'Angelo Russell is that he is an All Star this year, and he's the leader of a team that's going to make the playoffs pretty much. Yeah, he's the best player and leader. Not, yeah, not just putting up empty stats. I mean, if Pascal Siakam didn't have the season he he had. It would honestly be D'Angelo's award, but uh, Pascal just happened to be on the second best team in the NBA, and, and yeah, having a, a just as good a season. Exactly, and um, the final guy for uh most improved player award, um, Buddy Hield, uh, he's averaging twenty one points a game, five point one rebounds. He's shooting forty eight percent from the field and forty three percent from three, which is one of the league that leaders. That is crazy. Uh, eighty nine percent from free throw line, and he has a fifty nine percent true shooting percentage this year i think the biggest thing we can say for buddy healed is that he's become one of the best uh like scorers pretty much you can say in the nba um on a team that almost made the playoffs in sacramento and definitely would be nowhere near close that to that record without buddy healed who did a lot of work on offense for them no like he's uh, being one of the best shooters in the NBA, mm-hmm. like he, he's he's been big for them. Like he's been truly, you know, a great a great spot up option and all, and a good floor spacer for De'Aaron Fox. Exactly to you know to drive and have him, especially him with Bogdanovich on the floor with him. Like that's a very good floor spacing lineup that the Kings can throw out. Um and Buddy Hield, we always knew he could shoot coming out of college. Um, however, he's had his. In the past seasons, he's been struggling. Obviously, he's yeah. a young like you mostly know, because co- he wasn't really used correctly, and then also he was traded midway in the season, and, and and just you know struggles of being starting out as an NBA player. He exactly. was just struggling. However, like he had his moments in past seasons, but it was just kind of struggle. But uh, this season, we can see he's 
being a consistent option uh, offensively from the beginning of the season to the end um, and being one of the most efficient offensive players in the NBA, yeah. which is uh, that's a pretty good case for him for yeah. uh, most improved player. Yeah, so I guess if we had to pick right now most improved, I think I'm, I'm going with Pascal Siakam. I just think... He's just doing it for the for the second best team in the in the NBA, uh, and the fact that he came literally out of nowhere. Like people knew who D'Angelo Russell was, but nobody knew who Pascal exactly. was. Exactly, I think that's the biggest thing too. D'Angelo Russell, we knew, like he had his moments. Before. He's had potential. He's had yeah. skill. He was a number two overall pick. Exactly. Like but Pascal, Pascal was Siakam a second round pick. No, he was what twenty seventh, I think. Overall. Oh, wait, he was the first one. Yeah. Oh yeah. He yeah, was yeah. around twenty. I think. Yeah. No. 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 You're right. You're that right. That was the year. Jakob Pertl yeah, was like Jakob ninth dropped ninth, and Pascal dropped twenty seventh. Yeah. First rounder, but still, like near the end of the first round, so nobody exactly. really knew who he was or what he would become. Um. But yeah, I, I think, think he was what Bruno was supposed to be. I think. <laughs> yo, freaking Bruno, man! Shout hey, out he's Bruno. Not, yo. He's not playing bad for the Kings. He's pretty decent. Right yo, now. Bruno's on Memphis. Yo, <laughs> literally half our all or half of our like. Uh, players that we used to have around Memphis. You didn't well. know draft yourself, yo. Bruno, JV, Delon, CJ. It's like you know we have the we have the G League team. I know. We have the Raptors, then we have Raptors South now, exactly. <laughs> right in the middle. Exactly. <laughs> um, I'm moving on. Uh, coach of the year. Uh, first guy off the top of our head, Mike Boonholzer. Uh, he's led the Bucks a 57-20 record. Uh, at at the time we're recording this. Um, number one seed in the East and number one seed in the NBA. Number one uh, position in the NBA. So they've been the best team in the NBA uh, from the beginning to the end. And they're, what, top five, I think, in both both offense and defense, which is top three. insane. They're top three. Insane. They have the third best offense in the league and the best defense in the exactly. league. Exactly. That's, that's, that's crazy. Especially in his first season with the Bucks, Like... I'm not going to lie. Like, if anyone predicted that Mike Budenholzer would overhaul the Bucks like this, like, you are a freaking liar. Because... Hey, I said they would be good. I didn't no, think they'd you, be... No one thought they'd be this I good. I didn't think they'd be this exactly. good. Exactly. I, 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 didn't, I didn't think the Bucks would be this good. And obviously, that has that has to do with um, them bringing in guys like Brooke Lopez, you know... Uh, Miritich. Miritich, guys yeah. like that. You know, just, um, like, management's done a good job as well. Uh, but Mike Boonholzer, uh, we could all see that he would revitalize the Milwaukee Bucks after they went through, like, Jason Kidd, Joe Perky, who had, you know, their offenses were bad. bad. They had no imagination, imagination on offense. Their defensive schemes weren't that great either. Um, but obviously, Mike Boonholzer, he's won Coach of the Year before, I think, right? Mm-hmm. With so, the Hawks in that 61 yeah. season. Yeah, so him obviously already being a Coach of the Year winner, um, that was a very good hire from... For Milwaukee, we could all see that. No, it was a good hire. But I guess the most important thing with Coach Bud is just that how Giannis has been having an MVP type of season. Like, he's been playing the best basketball, the most efficient basketball. And even, like, role players like Bledsoe and Middleton, like you mentioned, Brooke Lopez, they've all stepped up and become great contributors for the team. So it's not just been Giannis versus versus the other team. Like, it's been in previous years. It's been a Malcolm team Malcolm Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon before he got injured. Like... I guess the thing with the Bucks, like they, 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 they literally, like we mentioned this last episode, the only question they have going into the the playoffs is can they sustain in the playoffs? But they've been they've been pretty really good. This pretty season. much what uh, Coach Bud did was employ the LeBron offense. Pretty Essentially, much, yeah. Just give Le- give Giannis and LeBron the ball, space them out with four shooters, and 
you know, let them do their thing, and which it has works. works. It works, especially because Giannis has been amazing. And that's just on offense, too, not to mention the defense. Defense is crazy. With had. Um, like obviously, with all the length, but guys like Jason Kidd, Joe Prunty couldn't uh, capitalize on their length and stuff. Yeah. But we're seeing how uh, Coach Bud. Well, not has- even that. Jason Kidd and Joe Prunty always tried focusing on switching, but. It's really not even about switching. It's just about staying on your man. Are there, like, wax playing, zone defenses? Exactly. And just, just playing harder, I guess, is the biggest thing. And Coach Bud's gotten them to play harder, gotten them all to buy in and work together as a unit. Exactly. Guys like Eric Bledsoe, who was tailing off, now having his best season to he date. He got a contract extension because exactly. of it. Like, very now team-friendly having his one. best season to date, um, being the two-way, one of the best two-way point guards in the NBA again now. Yep. So, um, I think, obviously... Uh, you know, just nothing much else to say about Coach Bud. Just we all we already know like, he's he's a, he's a good coach, and the Bucks have been just fantastic. Exactly. So the next candidate for Coach of the Year, we believe, is Mike Malone of the Denver Nuggets. Currently, the Nuggets have a fifty-one and twenty-five record at the, at the time of this recording. They are the second best team in the West, and they are the the fourth best team overall in the NBA. And honestly, the biggest thing with Coach Malone has been he took this team from last season being the ninth seed to now competing for the Western Conference, uh, the top seed in the Western Conference this season. Um, He's capitalized on the potential shown by a young team last year, and he's made it into a legit uh, top five team this year. Mainly mainly because of the defense. Like They were already a very good offensive team. You, you knew they could score. You knew they can create opportunities with Jokic being the centerpiece. But what they, he didn't expect was just how good the defense was going to be. Exactly. It's, and I think that has a lot to do with... Um, I called it uh, before the year uh, that Paul Millsap would have a big impact on this yeah. team. And we saw that last year, too. Paul Millsap was injured for the whole season, pretty much. And when he came back, their defense took a massive jump. Paul Millsap, he can't play offense anymore, but he is just still fantastic on defense. He can still... Still one of the best defensive power forwards in the league we got And that's right not now. even... And they've been doing this, too. Not to mention with all the injuries as well. Will Barnes missed a lot of games. Gary, Gary Harris. Harris. Paul, oh, Gary Millsap. Harris. Paul Millsap. Uh, uh, and Michael Porter hasn't even played yet. No, yeah. Isaiah crazy. Thomas. Isaiah Thomas. But, like, but they like, don't really that, need Isaiah He's Thomas. still an injury. Um, well, um, no. Isaiah Thomas is back now, but they're not playing him anymore, which is understandable. Yeah. Um, although... Gary Harris hasn't looked the same since he came back, but you know, yeah. I mean, at least you guys. Will Barnes has been playing really well. With well, them. also I, the emergence of like some of the, the some Monte of the young Morris, Monte Morris, Tory Craig, mm-hmm. uh, Craig, Malik like, Beasley. Yeah, they're they're very deep. They're um, deep. They're athletic. Uh, well, deep on the wings and like the point. But that's one of the most important men, positions. Yeah, exactly. Big men. Uh, I think. Yeah. I don't know about their big man situation. Yeah, I mean, like it just the only question, like again, with the with the the Nuggets, the major question is, can they can they maintain this? Especially like, with none of these guys have made it to playoffs besides like thing. Paul Millsap, um, and Coach Malone hasn't even made it to the playoffs either yet. Oh wow, so, really? Yeah, he has. He's never been to the playoffs either. Yeah, I don't know about. Right. I don't know about as an assistant, but like probably as an assistant. Probably, but like, but as it's assistant, different as a head coach. Yeah, as as a head coach, I don't know if he's he hasn't made the playoffs yet. Um. So yeah, just experience will probably be their Achilles heel, but you know, but but Nuggets, still, even if they get like knocked out in the second round, we can all say that it's been a very successful. Oh season yeah, season. just making it to the playoffs was was one was their goal coming into the season, and the fact that they're competing with Golden State for the top seed. In yeah, the West. Golden State hasn't locked up the number one seed, so the Nuggets could end up having it. 
which would actually be really bad for Houston if that happens because then Houston would have to see Golden State in the second round. But, yeah, the West... Is- and that could be um, a deciding factor for the Denver Nuggets. Obviously, we've... Golden State's probably going to kill everyone in the playoffs, oh, but yeah. we've seen that this year they've been more... Um, they've had their own issues as well yeah. this year. Um, and a thing like Denver having home court in the playoffs for the whole playoffs could be the reason why perhaps they could make it to the finals, let's say. Yeah, I mean, like the... Obviously, we all know it's it's very hard to play in Denver, but so having them uh, have home court against a team like Golden State, that could, uh, you know, just swing the favor for them. Yeah, like... It, the, but overall, the Nuggets have had a great season, and Coach Malone has been a big part of that. And finally, the last candidate who, honestly, I feel like is one of the favorites, who I think is the front runner currently, is Doc Rivers for the LA Clippers. The Clippers are currently 46-31. and 31. They are currently, well, I need to double-check this, the sixth seed, sorry, they're 47-31, and 31, currently the sixth seed at the time of a recording, and I'm saying that for now because the Western Conference playoff mix, picture is so volatile that literally, like, we saw, like, uh, I think, was it OKC? They were, like, the fifth seed at one point, and they third. dropped. They yeah, were they like were third. They were third, and then they literally, after losing a couple, one game or two, they dropped to the eighth seed. So. Yeah. Like, we are all thinking that they were third, and we looked at the standings, and they were, like, eighth. We were like, what the hell? Yeah. So, like, okay, so let's be honest here. Did anyone expect the Clippers, after trading away CP3, Blake Griffin, and DeAndre Jordan... And then in the season, trading away Tobias Harris. Did anyone expect them to be in the playoffs? No. Enough said. They're in the freaking playoffs. Like, Doc Rivers, I don't and know And they've been he, winning games. Exactly. They've been winning tough games on the road, at home. It doesn't matter. Like, each and every... Like, he's getting so... Doc Rivers has gotten so much out of this team on both ends of the floor... It's honestly amazing how he's done it. Danilo Gallinari, for instance, having his best season as a pro. Uh, Lou Williams comes in, drops buckets. Montrezl Harrell having a great season. Like, Patrick Beverly. Like, they have just so many guys who just play hard on both ends of the floor. And Shea Gilchrist-Alexander. Shea Gilchrist-Alexander. Like, like they that. They got hey, Zubac, too. And, yeah, they got Zubac, Bro. who's... I mean, literally, they, they just stole him from the Lakers. Like, Yo, Jerry West left, apparently, of when course Magic he did. Johnson, like, like even I was confused. I'm like, what are you doing? You just traded They got like, Mike Muscala. Yeah, Mike you Muscala. got Mike Muscala. What is he doing on the Lakers? He literally hasn't even played, like, done nothing with the Lakers. Um, I think the biggest thing, we've known Doc Rivers was a good coach, obviously, since he... Won the championship, um, won in, the championship in 08. However, there were questions recent in recent years if that was just because the guys that they had with KG. I mean, it's uh, a fair question. KG, but... Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, uh, guys like Eddie House, James Posey, Kendrick Perkins. Obviously, they were very veteran. But it was, it, it was a fair question to ask because he had Blake, CP3, and DeAndre. And he couldn't do anything with them. And, yeah. and I think this year with uh, Dark Rivers not being... Um, or was it the VP of whatever? The, or like, the president of basketball yeah, yeah, yeah. operations. So him just focusing on coaching duties now, I think, uh, has really helped him too. Because he was, he was garbage as uh And as big credit president. to Lawrence Frank and Steve Ballmer in the front exactly. office. Like, they've done a great job. Jerry, Jerry West. West as well has come in. And this team now has cap space. They are young. They are deep. Well coached. Like, it exactly. is a very enticing option. Honestly, if I was a player, I'd rather go play for the like, Clippers. Exactly. Like the, like, than the Lakers. The Clippers are, are, are like, honestly, the, the better destination right now in L.A. at this point in time. Like, you have the market. 
you have an owner willing to spend money, you have a great coach. Like you don't have any dysfunction. Exactly. Like it's a very good, it's a good situation for anybody, for any for any player looking at uh, coming into the LA market. But so Doc Rivers, man. So I guess who's your pick? If you had to pick out of these guys, I'd still go with Mike Boone. You go with Bud? Yeah. I'm gonna go out of the limb and I'm gonna say I would I would take Doc Rivers just because like how he's doing it I have no clue and to me as much as I want to give credit to the players I have to give credit to Doc and his coaching staff because these guys literally on any other team I don't think they'd be as successful and I think Doc has gotten the most out of these players which is what you want your coach to do is to get the most out of the players and get them to play hard I think the main thing is all three of these guys all have. You know, deserve it. Oh, yeah. We're not, we're not going to be mad if any one of them uh, get it. They, they, All three of them deserve the coach of the year. Yeah, it's but a I think tough for pick. me, I think for me, it's it has to be Coach Bud. Just because of the fact, best team in the NBA, top five in both offense and defense. That pretty much seals it up for me. Yeah. Just having having that, um, I think that pretty much just seals it up for me. And the fact that they've not only been, ha- like, a good team against like garbage opponents and stuff. They have a winning record against all the other good teams as well. Yeah, they beat the Raptors what twice or whatever. Two, they beat they beat every good team pretty much. They, they I think they beat in Golden State, right? Yeah, I think. Yeah, they beat in Golden State. They they have they have like uh, Boston. Um, they have like a very good record against all the yeah, top teams like in they, the NBA pretty much. So I think that just that for me has to show. Uh, yeah, it's impressive. So, let's move on to the Sixth Man of the Year Award, otherwise what I like to call the Lou Will Award, but we got to Hey, first... that's the Jamal Crawford Award. I mean, he's passing, passing the torch down to Lou Will. But, yep, speaking of Lou Will, obviously, Lou Will is, is in the running for this award, averaging about 20 points a game off the bench, 5 assists, shooting 43% on the field, 35% from 3, a 56% true shooting percentage, and let's be real, he's the favorite for this award. Like, Lou Williams has been the spark plug for the Clippers, and... He's been the probably the one of the biggest reasons as to why they're making it to the playoffs. Like, you know, and he's also their closer. Like, y- you would think like a guy who's that as talented as Lou Will would be starting on most teams and would want to start. Well, I think I don't know if you can say he would be starting just because of his defensive issues. Exa- so I think- well, I mean, like most players would want to start if they're that if they're that good. Exactly. But the thing with Lou is that he understands that what what his role is. So even if he's coming off the bench, he's still. Closing games for them. He's still, you know, he's been their leader. Yeah, he's on been the team. he's been a, a, the clutch the clutch guy, and like, I mean, not much we can really say. We we all modern know. day Jamal Crawford, pretty we much. All, we all know like what Lou will. He's is. the modern day Jamal Crawford is the best way to describe him. And I mean, Jamal I won't Crawford's be surprised still. if he wins the award again. Because well, I mean, we all know he's gonna win the award again. Like he's just he's just that good off the bench. Like you need a bucket, give the ball to Lou Will. He's exactly. gonna get a bucket. Um. The, another guy we have for six man of the year, and I know this kind of like it's kind of cheating, cheating, but uh, Montrez Harrell too. Um, so I guess he's like the seventh man technically for LA with Lou Will being a six man, but like, and eh, it's, it's it's whatever. Uh, he's averaging around sixteen point six points, uh, seven rebounds, and he has a twenty three point six uh player efficiency rating, and he's shooting sixty one percent from field. Um. He's been the energizer for the Clippers this season, coming off the bench, bringing hustle on both sides of the floor. Um, he's he's pretty much been like what a good center needs to be in today's NBA, and that's saying something because he's what was he like six nine six ten? He's not even like, yeah, he's not that tall, but he's like, not that tall, but he gets like beer boards. The, the dude is is a monster. Like he's 
so physical on the rebounds, just put putbacks, even defensively. Like he's so active. Like you know, he's I, man. Like I, I've loved this guy's game. Like I told actually, like off off the podcast, I was talk, telling Zishan before he, before he was even drafted that yeah, I thought he'd be a exactly. great player. I thought like I was actually hoping the Raptors would have drafted him, but unfortunately he didn't. But the Houston Rockets got him. But man, like. What a player! He's a he's having a career best season right now, man. A career high in points and rebounds, and career high in field goal percentage. And, and yeah, pretty much um, a major factor as to why the Clippers are in the playoffs exactly, as well. Like it's him exactly. and Lou Will, they get subbed into the game, and like it just changes the dynamic. And exactly. we saw last year with the Raptors, like having a deep bench and having players who can come off the bench and produce is very valuable. Exactly to win games. Uh, and finally, I guess the last candidate who we say who we think would win this would be Spencer Dinwiddie of the Brooklyn Nets. Currently averaging about 17 points a game, 4.7 assists, about 45% from the field, 35% from three. I mean, he's been a great scoring option for the Nets, and he's continuing off of his great season that he had last year. Um, And he's, again, a major reason why the Nets are in the playoffs because Spencer Dinwiddie can come in off the bench and just become the the, the leader for the for the Nets bench. He can unit. he's he's the point guard off the bench. Pretty much. And even even just coming into a game and playing off guard with uh, D'Angelo Russell, then yeah. just switching. Um, if you guys remember, there was an actual argument last year if which guy was better, Spencer Dinwiddie or D'Angelo Russell. Obviously, this year D'Angelo Russell has been an all star, but I think Spencer Dinwiddie, you can see, is not even that far behind. Um, I think the biggest thing that's hurt him in the eyes of voters and stuff. Is like obviously he was injured for a good amount of time this yeah. season, um. But other than that, he's been a great six man for them. Um, I don't know, like he 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 comes into a game and creates a lot of offense. Um, he has a lot of his own clutch moments, especially like last year. This year, obviously, D'Lo's gotten the ball a lot more in the clutch. Like, I think the biggest thing with Spencer Dinwiddie is that his season so far, although he's had a great season, has been overshadowed a bit by D'Angelo Russell's exactly. great season. Exactly. So D'Angelo Russell was. Still, like having a decent season, but not the great season that he's having. I think we talk more about Spencer Dinwiddie, but exactly, he's still a great player, great contributor, and good six men. Pretty much, too. yeah. I mean, if I had to pick, pick right now, well, I'd, Lou Will, Lou Will yeah, like Lou Will is he's got it locked up. You can't pretty really much say like he's it's his award, man. Uh, like, moving on to defensive player of the year, um, first candidate we got is uh, Paul George, averaging twenty eight points a game for a rebound, for assists. Sorry. Um, eight rebounds, forty-four percent from field goal, thirty-nine um, percent from three, fifty-nine percent true shooting, uh, two point one steals a game, leading the NBA in steals, and uh, half a block a game about two. Um, he's been the best two-way player this season. Um, we've seen that even in games. If you watch OKC games, he's guarding like the best opposing player and like literally shutting them down. Um, nobody can do anything against his defense. Yeah. Um. And as I said too before, uh, he's shutting down the best player on the other team while putting up his twenty-eight points a game too. But um, also because very of good efficiency, a major factor because the reason why he had to take on even the the, the best uh, the best player on the other team because Andre Robertson is, exactly. Is, is so that that's was, without Andre Robertson. So too. and the, the the Thunder's defense is really good. Like they, exactly, and, and put throwing Andre Robertson in there hopefully he gets healthy. Like, um, they throwing him in there with like Jeremy Grant, um, Stephen Adams, all of them. Yeah, like the biggest thing is that the Thunder's defense has been great, and Paul George is leading that. Yeah, he's been leading them on both ends of the floor, and you can make arguably make a case that Paul George is now the best two-way player in the league. He overtook Kawhi Leonard, 
But we actually don't know that for sure because Kawhi, Kawhi ha- hasn't even played. I don't think really. he's played 100 percent yet. He hasn't played 100 percent. He hasn't even played like. Dude, there's some some games where I see games, Kawhi and I'm just like, it doesn't look like he's trying. He does. He's he's literally not. You can tell that even when watching game. That's why we're all just waiting until playoffs to see like Kawhi actually. Can we moves. see playoff Kawhi? Like that is what I want to see. Yeah, but yeah, this year pretty much like you can tell he's not even trying, and he hasn't had to. In all honesty, he has no. uh, like the second best team in the NBA with him. Yeah. So it's it's not like he's had to like, which I'd rather have honestly. I'd rather not have him like trying that hard in the season. Yeah, I mean we'll see. Save it. But moving playoff. on to the second candidate, we feel for the Defensive Player of the Year award is Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz, currently averaging about sixteen points a game and thirteen rebounds while averaging about two point two blocks per game. He is the reigning Defensive Player of the Year from last season. So obviously the Jazz's defense, we all know when he's on the floor, they are not the same team when he's off the court. Like, the Jazz's defense is pretty much Rudy Gobert. Everyone is just terrified of driving because of how and they much are, of a presence pretty much the, the Jazz defense is rely on Rudy Gobert at the rim and all feed off. Just pretty much press up on, like, you know, outsides. And if they blow by you, then who cares? Rudy's, Rudy's, Rudy's there, Rudy's there at the to rim. block it. He's fourth in the NBA in blocks per game, which is... Very impressive. He's also leading the league in field goal percentage. That's mainly because of how many dunks this guy gets exactly. in the paint. Um, not much we can say about Rudy Gobert. Obviously, he won it last year. Um, yeah. so we know, like, we know what kind of player he is. Um, the one thing that hurts him, I guess, this season is that if you remember in the beginning of the season, Utah's defense was like not that good for some reason. Rudy Gobert's defense was randomly, like, not that good. Yeah. Obviously, he, they turned it around, but it was, and like... And then he also was, had that beef with the officials. Yeah, and it, was, like, you know. it was very weird in the beginning of the season. Like, yeah. they were just confusing. Um, Now, they they look normal again. It's basically what happened last season. The Jazz struggled with coming out of the gate, and then they... And it's been the fact that they've had the hardest schedule in the first half of the season <laughs> from the last, like, last year and this year, too. They've uh, had the hardest schedule. It's, it's so weird, like, just seeing the Jazz. Like, they have... A terrible start to the season, but once their schedule starts easing up, oh, oh, look at that! They are a good team. <laughs> like, it's it's been it's been weird. Exactly. Um, and moving on, finally, Joel Embiid, uh, averaging twenty seven and a half points a game, thirteen point seven rebounds, and one point nine blocks a game. Um, we already know what kind of player Joel Embiid is. Two, uh, one of the best two way players in the NBA. Um, great scorer. Um, and great defender as well. Being able to block shots at the rim, contest shots at the rim with his well, how how tall is he? Like seven one, seven two, whatever. Seven two. Yeah, whatever he is. Um. He, yeah. So he's been having a monster year for Sixers on both ends of the floor. Most importantly, efficiency has been crazy for Joel Embiid. He's yeah. fourth in the league in PER. Uh, and we've seen how Philly, how not that great Philly is without Joel Embiid and when he comes so take into this the lineup. In. So they are. take this in. So a a, mi- a middle to the middle of the pack defensive rating would be around, I guess a hundred and a hundred and ten hundred and I guess hundred and eight and above be middle to the pack to a very bad defense so when Joel Embiid is off the court the Sixers defense rating plummets to a 109 from when he's on the court it's about a 104 so you can just see the the difference is drastic when Joel is on versus off the court exactly so yeah I mean I guess defender player of the year it's a tough award to pick it's, it's based on a lot of it's based on just who you prefer, honestly. Yeah. Because you can't really, there's not really stats to measure. Well, obviously you have like defensive efficiency and everything, but like it's not. You can't really measure defense like you can offense, pretty much. Yeah, I think. I mean, right now, I think I'm going with Paul George. I mean, if he hadn't gotten injured, I think he he would be the clear cut favorite. 
Uh, I, yeah, but I think I think Paul George. Uh, I don't know. I'm if he, I'd say Paul George just throw it out there, but honestly, just for now, I'd say yeah, Paul George. Yeah, Rudy Gobert, uh, Paul George, one B. It, it doesn't really matter, but I think just the season that Paul George is having and being able to be what he is on both sides of the floor. Yeah. Um, I think I'll probably go with Paul George as well. And um, finally, moving on to the MVP, arguably the most important award everybody really came and listened to this whole podcast exactly. for. Um, so number one, we got James Harden, uh, thirty-six point four points a game, seven point five assists, six point five rebounds, on a forty-four percent field goal shooting, thirty-six percent from three, sixty-one percent true shooting, which is crazy. Um, two point one steals a game. Uh, was he like second in steals or something like that? Yep, James Harden is second in the NBA in steals per game. He's actually tied with Paul George. Exactly. So he's leading the NBA in scoring as well. Um, as we said, second in steals. Um, the biggest thing I think for um a lot of guys who are going to vote Harden is how uh he led them back from the basement of the West. They were like 13th seed in the West in the beginning, and then he backpacked. Now they're much. third seed. Yeah, he pretty much backpacked. And carry the whole offense whilst guys like CP3, Eric Gordon, Capella all miss time. Um, and so I think, I don't know. And we can, like with the insane uh, offensive season he's had um, this year, uh, he makes pretty good case for MVP. Um, not to mention case. the fact that he's been pretty decent on defense, which he has been in the past few years. It's just everyone's been jumping on the train of James Harden doesn't play defense. I mean, like he's. Averaging the second best steals, second most steals per game in the league. So although that doesn't, I mean, that, it, like it's not all him. Steals, steals but, don't really tell it. But let's be honest: much. since the All Star break, the Rockets have had the league's best defense. Exactly. Since the All Star break, and so, that's that's with CP3, Aragorn, Capella. Exactly. Capella's they weren't in, healthy for most of the season. Exactly. Like, this is the the first time they've been healthy all season. I think the biggest thing is that like you can say, oh, James Harden takes how many shots a game and and the thing is too they're all hard shots and the fact that he's making them is impressive Look, it's, but it's, you can say that he's averaging 36 points on what how many shots blah 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 but the thing is without those 50 points a game he's scoring the rockets are losing like he's needed to score that many in, points like, a game he's having a historic season i mean look look at this i'll read out his last few games like 50 points 38 points 23 28 61 57 31 20 41 29 28 and that's just like that's that's him slowing down because now CP three and, exactly. and everyone's back. He was like having like a streak of like fifty point games, forty point games, like that streak of what uh, 30, thirty plus points. Plus points was, a I game. think it was like, got to like thirty three games or something, something like that. that he was is, tying like Will Chamberlain. He scored so. over thirty points against each and every single team this season. Exactly, it's crazy, man. Harden has had a great year, but wow. speaking of another candidate, and arguably the, the the one reason why we can't just hand the award to Harden is because of Giannis. Giannis has been playing amazing for the Bucks, having 27 points per game, 6 assists per game, 12.5 rebounds, shooting 58% from the field, 64% true shooting percentage, averaging 1.3 steals per game and 1.5 blocks per game. So he's been an all-around uh, monster this year pretty much. Um, has led them obviously to the best record in the NBA. And I think the biggest thing is once you surround Giannis with four shooters, as is with like LeBron and stuff as well, they're pretty much unstoppable. Um, he's been great in the paint, like obviously, uh, shooting, <clears throat> was it 58% um, from the field? Uh, he's been consistently good all season, and that has led being consistently exactly good all his season. team is the number one, is the best team in the league. So, exactly, if there's one stat that could probably hurt a guy like Harden's chances, is that Giannis's team has been winning all season, and plus, Giannis is a better defender than Harden by a wide margin. Oh, yeah, um. 
the one thing is obviously he still doesn't have a jumper. But you don't need one now. You don't you don't need one, but um it's, it would be nice to have. It's it's a little like if Giannis ever gets a jumper, if, if, if in the playoffs it matters a lot more when teams can literally just sag off you yeah. in the paint. Yeah, and we we've seen those clips of people literally just standing in the paint waiting for Giannis to take a shot. We mentioned that in last and him last turning episode. it over because he didn't want to take a shot or whatever. Yeah. We went in more detail over that in, la- in last week's episode about how the Bucks, you know, what what can they do if their shooters are guarded and stuff like that. Exactly. But, uh, um, final candidate for MVP, which uh, I think unfairly he hasn't been talked enough. About enough. It's just the guys like Giannis and Harden have been amazing. Have been amazing this season. But I think Nikola Jokic deserves um, some attention for MVP as well. Um, averaging twenty points a game, seven point four assists, ten point nine rebounds, fifty one percent from uh, field goal, thirty two percent from three. So he hasn't been that great from three, uh, but he still makes his threes. Um, fifty nine percent true shooting percentage, one point three steals a game, and. Uh, 0.7 blocks a game. Uh, he's second in the league in triple doubles. Um, also, he leads the Denver Nuggets in all major statistical categories, which is insane, uh, especially for like a big man. Um, obviously, their whole we all know that their whole offense runs through Nikola Jokic pretty much, and without him, their offense would probably be trash. Yeah. Um, but also, he hasn't been that bad on defense either this year. No, he's been pretty solid for for, for them. Uh, but, like, obviously, he has limitations of being a slow-footed center. But I think now, just like a guy like Nikola Vucevic, like just learning how to position your body to, you know, to become, to challenge more shots, I guess, is more is what he's learned a exactly. bit more Plus, how to do. guys like Paul Millsap and Mason Plumlee help a lot uh, when, like, sliding pretty much yeah. Nikola Jokic at, like, the power forward spot on defense and pretty much making him just, like, trap, like, as a guy who traps using his length on traps and stuff yeah. which could kill them in the playoffs but in the regular season it's worked um yeah i, I mean, think yeah like we've talked about i mean mvp has been talked about to death pretty much pretty much but uh who who, who are you going with right now? i'm going with Harden. honestly maybe i'm biased because i'm a raptors fan and i don't want to see bucks do anything but i gotta go with Harden uh for the simple fact that uh without him the Rockets. Would not be nowhere near close. Obviously, you can say that about Giannis too. But the thing about Giannis, I'd say, is that we already knew. It was. I think a lot of it's the same thing. It's just he's being surrounded with better spacing. Mm-hmm. That's the thing you can say about. Giannis. I actually thought you were gonna say Giannis, but yes, I agree with you. I, I'm going with Harden. I mean, he's just putting up at a historic season right and now. And he's needed. The biggest thing for me that seals it up for me, I think, is that he's needed to put up these crazy. Numbers a game with the injuries they've yeah. had. I mean, you can argue Harden's game does not look the best, but like, let's be real. It's Kobe's game them never, to wins. Yeah, yeah, and Kobe's game never looked the best either. It's yeah. just that if they're winning games, I mean, you can't say anything. And Harden's been doing it efficiently. He's not like he hasn't been efficient with his game. He's been very efficient in his scoring. So exactly. I mean, like, it's a tough one. Giannis has been having a great season, but I mean, Harden. Look at his per. He's having a thirty per. Like that's crazy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, Harden MVP. I mean, let us know if you guys agree or disagree with the, with the awards picks. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's up to debate. And there's still a few more games left in the season, so things could change. But this is what we think. Let us know what you guys think. All right, so moving on to a new segment that we're trying to introduce here. Uh, we're going to try... We're, we, we're, we're calling it Off the Bench. So let me run you through how it's going to work. So pretty much, we're each going to come up with... Bring up a team that's currently struggling, or in this case, out of the playoff picture. And we're going to basically give two or three 
ways they can improve or get off the bench in this case. So you know how when you're a player, you're 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 benched in something, you you have to improve to get minutes and become in the rotation. It's kind of that idea. So I mean the name is still kind of a work in, work in progress. But either way, I guess I'll start off. My pick for a team to bring off the bench is the Phoenix Suns. And there's a lot of things we can do with the Phoenix Suns, but the one that I the first thing that I think they should do to improve is get a point guard. Either by trading a draft pick, draft picks and getting a point guard, or just or using your top pick and getting John Morant. Like it's the Phoenix Suns have not had a legitimate point guard since Steve Nash. And that is sad. Like it's 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 sad that they haven't had a legitimate point no, guard to run Dragic. Oh yeah, since Dragic, sorry. Uh but you know the fact that you haven't had a point guard for this long is is really sad and not even like a serviceable point exactly, guard. Exactly. Nobody. Like, like literally nobody. I mean literally like I think Alfred Payton came in and was more serviceable than any of the other guys that they brought in. To be fair, Alfred Payne is a good player. I mean, he's, in my he's a solid player, but like, you you, uh, you need to surround Devin Booker with a star playmaker, someone who can get him the ball. And right now, there hasn't been anyone to do that, and that's why Devin Booker just has to do it all himself, pretty much becoming James Harden. So that's the first thing I think the Suns should do, which will drastically improve them. Second thing I would I'd say they would do, they should do they should trade some of their wasted assets for. 3 and D role players to surround Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. So, like, wasted players, I'm saying more like Dragon Bender. Well, Dragon Bender isn't going to be there after this season. Yeah, so, I mean, just, like, get rid of them and, like, either let them go or trade them. So, Dragon Bender, TJ Warren, Josh Jackson, kind of the guys who I feel that are underperforming for the Suns, and I feel that... Well, TJ Warren's being good this season. It's just he doesn't have much of an impact in as big of a role I guess I guess the logic behind... But I'm saying TJ Warren is that I think you can get someone better for him, and if you if that means trading TJ Warren to get a better player, I think the Suns should explore that. So get some more three and D players surround uh surround Devin Booker, give him some help. Um, that's one thing, and one more one more thing that I can throw in just for the shits, just get some front court depth. I mean seriously, like they preferably a power forward who can shoot just to and place or play some defense, either or. Something that they can put beside someone you can put beside DeAndre Ayton, so that you know he doesn't he they can cover up some of his defensive liabilities or even spread the floor so DeAndre Ayton can spend more time in the paint and ha- not have a lot of uh, congestion. So those are my three things. So that's that, that's how I think the Suns are going to come off the bench. Um, so my team that I want come for coming off the bench is the Sacramento Kings. Obviously, they had a very successful season this year. Um, not to mention that uh during this. Past trade deadline, they also got like Harrison Barnes and stuff too. He's kind of underperformed, but uh, but like in theory, he should be decent. Um, I think that's one of the first things. Obviously, um, I would ask Harrison Barnes to have at least if he's not gonna put up like twenty points a game, at least give me a good fifteen points and play some great defense. That's all I want because Harrison Barnes can be a very good defender, but I think it's just him with his uh, offensive mindset and. When signing that contract with Dallas, he took a step back on defense. But I think probably just concentrate him more on doing what he's good at. So, you know, getting a few buckets a game, getting, uh, playing some great defense. Um, I think another thing that they need to do is get a consistent scorer off the bench. They don't really have – they have a good starting lineup, but they don't really have anybody off the bench that can uh, produce points against uh, second units. 
So I think obviously they would their their bench hasn't been that great. Um I think so they need a consistent dude that can pretty much just get buckets off the bench. Um since they've had a very middle of the pack offensive rating and defensive rating. Yeah. Um so moving on uh from that, uh surround De'Aaron Fox with more shooters for him to drive and kick. So we already know De'Aaron Fox is like another John Wall pretty much. Uh but with better shooting, I think. Um but he his, his, his faster. <laughs> I, I don't. Know, I don't know about that. Prior, like Young John Wall was fast, man. I mean, like that yeah, was crazy. I mean, we ain't talking about Young John Wall. That guy's long gone. <laughs> we talking about? That? Okay, but like still, Darren <laughs> Fox is kind of the same kind of player. His bread and butter is being able to attack the basket with the speed. Um, so I think if you can get guys, more guys that can space the floor with him. Um, a guy like Buddy Hield, for example, who's uh worked wonders for the offense this year. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Um, we saw how good the addition of Nemanja Bjelica was for them. Uh, being able to space the floor. Um, and he had a huge impact for them this year. Yeah. So gang more guys like that who can space the floor for um, uh, Deer and Fox. Uh, gang um, gang some dudes defensively, especially for big man position. Um, who can shore up the defense? As they're uh, as I said before, the defense. Did they did they trade Zivo or or do they still have Zach? No, I think he's still there. Okay. <laughs> but, like, yeah, get some more. I think, big, like, Willie Cauley-Stein is a pretty decent player. So, I think I think they should try and re-sign him as long as the asking price isn't too high from him. Um, he's, be, he's, he's been a pretty decent player for them this, like, actually pretty good for them this season. Yeah. I think he has his, he's not, he's not. I, I mean, depends on the say, number that you got to re-sign yeah, him to. But you can't, to a pretty, I don't think he's very, like, Good on either side of the floor, though. He's pretty decent, but I don't think you can say he's great. I think good. when he was drafted, he was more of a developmental project. So, yeah. but he's been he's been he's been pretty nicely. good for them in terms of what was he a six pick or whatever. Uh, usually high, actually, yeah. I mean, but like usually picks, we th- we always think of it as high, but like but that draft in picks, general wasn't that, really that like draft good. wasn't good, and in yeah. general picks. There's only a few guys from the draft that, like, actually become anything in the NBA. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I think, yeah, just add more front court depth uh, to back up guys like Marvin Bagley and stuff. And uh, we'll call Yeah, just continue developing Marvin Bagley, I think. Just continue to get better in general, too. Um, They're a nice seed this year. They had a very good uh, season this year. Nobody expected them to be this good, Mm -hmm. but they were pretty good this season. So, I think, honestly, just keep developing. And uh, hopefully, they can make the playoffs next year. All right, so that was off the bench. Let us know what you guys think of the new segment uh, and give us some suggestions if you guys have some teams that you want us to sort of break down and give us give some thoughts on how they can improve. So let's move on to the up and under segment here. So I'm going to start off. So are you up or under on LeBron James being shut down for the remainder of the season? The Lakers are, as we know, out of the playoff pick mixture. And apparently doctors, the Lakers doctors have convinced LeBron that it's better for him to sit for the rest of the season, and rest his groin. So you up or under on him doing that? I mean, I was up on it ever since, like, they lost those few games after he came back. That was, like, we all knew. Especially the Phoenix game. That's when we all knew. We were like, okay, these guys are done. I think he should have rested since then. Obviously, he wants his stats. He wants his, uh, he wants his stats, obviously. Um, you know, he's trying to go up on that leaderboard and stuff. But I think yeah, he needed to rest. Um, especially I mean, apparently, apparently he shouldn't even be 
being playing, but like you know, uh, who knows, man. But I, I think like the big thing with LeBron is that just he's been he's thirty four, thirty four years. He's played like he's he's in his what sixteenth year? Yeah, sixteen. So with with the amount of playoffs and finals he's been through, he's pretty much playing. Not to his, mention like, Olympics, other. He's stuff. pretty much playing like his eighteenth season, eighteenth, nineteenth season. Yeah, pretty if much. you would count the total number of games. Yeah, minutes and stuff too. Yeah. So um, moving on, are you up or under on? How Lonzo uh, handled the situation um, with Alan Foster stealing apparently 1.5 mil from him and how uh, him and LeVar apparently uh, folding the triple B big ball brand. Honestly, I am, I'm up on how he handled it, handled the situation, just cutting ties with the guy and just saying, just saying, uh, you know, I'm, I'm cutting this off now, cutting the snake off the head now before it gets even worse. But I'm under man on how on, on how it happened, like the the whole the way the way it all went. I mean, down, I man. think it should have happened in the first place. No, it shouldn't have. Like it, it's sad to be quite honest with you. Like, I, I, like honestly, you have to put the at least a good chunk of blame on Lavar. Yeah. Um, you can't you can't just get a guy and let him handle your money without like especially when he does have past. a when he does have a criminal record. And I'm and, sure Lavar knew he had a criminal record. Like it's like you you got you have to know these things. You know what I'm saying? I know, like, but like, it's like. Damn, bro! You let men take like one point five mil from your son, and that's... especially when it's when you're a family, like a family-owned business, like it's yeah, that's big for, for exactly. like, from the business point standpoint. It's like folding over an entire business venture is, uh... and it's kind of sad too, just for the simple fact that um, this could have been a real like trailblazer in terms of like entrepreneurship yeah, in the in definitely. like the sports world having. Instead of signing with a major company, be your own company. Like, you know, make your own business, make your own money, own all of your own products, own all of your own money. Yeah. But it just it didn't it didn't pan out. Um obviously, like what if Lonzo had been better, maybe it would have been panned out more, but like Lonzo wasn't as good as And also what, like, like people were hyping him up. But let's be real, like it's also because of like how like the big baller brand kind of went about Exactly. Pricing, you know, big, pricing, you know, but like obviously, like as controversial as that may be, you don't want to see this happen to any business or any exactly. person. So, but it's good for Lonzo that he was able to, that like, he just he was his own man for once, and he said, "Nah, man, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. screw off, man." So, moving on, are you up or under on the Clippers being the better team in Los Angeles for free agents this offseason? Um, I'm up, honestly. Um, although LA, the Lakers do have LeBron. I think in general the Clippers as a situation we already talked about this in the uh, earlier ep- in the episode as well. Clippers are just a better situation in general. Um, no dysfunction as it relates to guys feeling butthurt about being uh, on the trade block. I don't know, like like uh, Magic Johnson, and Genie Bus having beef with each other. Um, this whole Lakers block. year was just terrible. It just there's no dysfunction from for the Clippers. Um, Having a owner that's committed fully, you know, to winning. Although you can't, you can't, we can't say Jeannie Buss isn't committed to winning. She's shown that she is, but it, there's been questions, you know. But we know Steve Ballmer. She's not Steve Ballmer. Like Steve Ballmer, if he like you, you can legitimately see this guy wants to win. He wants the Clippers to be the, the and team in LA. A, there's a clear direction of leadership. You I heard he's also trying to get a new stadium. So yeah, that the Clippers no longer have to play in the Staples Center. Yeah, which is, um, uh, which is there's a clear. I think the. Biggest thing is there's a clear sense of direction and leadership as it pertains to the Clippers rather than the Lakers. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just a mess in, uh, for the Lakers. But for the Clippers, we know how it is. Steve Ballmer at the top, Jerry West, Lawrence Frank, Doc Rivers. 
that's it. Clear-cut structure. We yeah. know that. Um, not to mention that they have a better team in general than the Lakers, yeah. too. Um, if a star wants to go there, they have, what, two slots? Two max, two max, two max slots. slots. Um, if a star wants to go there, they have a better team in general. And even Jerry West even said the, their offseason isn't going to be predicated on getting two max level players. They would be very comfortable getting, you know, some of the mid-tier, mid-tier guys and building a, building exactly. a team. They have a very that's, that's good smart. team. They're in the playoffs right now, obviously. So I think they have a really good team. So I think, uh, not to mention that just the name that of Jerry West as an executive yeah. makes you want to go there just for the simple fact that he built the Lakers this dynasty um twice and then he, he built, built Memphis he built Memphis he built the Golden State Warriors and now he's helping the Clippers exactly so i think Jerry West winning follows him wherever he goes minus the fact that you won he's one championship the, the gold of executives and as a player even though he won like one championship but like i mean he's the gold of executives exactly man. so like, i think that that alone just says it um so it, like pretty much i'm i'm up on the clippers being the team uh, in LA right now. Okay. Um, are you up or under on uh Devin Booker? Should he request a trade from the Suns in the next season or in the off season? Perhaps? Okay, I'm gonna say it depends on what the Suns do in the off season. If the Suns have a great off season and can actually improve, I'm gonna go under. But if they don't improve, I'm gonna seriously say up. Like, as it's much painful as, to watch. No, man. as much as we hate the Suns, I mean, sorry, as much as we hate. Players asking for trades, like you saw the whole Anthony Davis situation. For Devin Booker, I feel like it's totally a different situation. Like his man hasn't team... even played three hundred ball. He hasn't even <laughs> gone to like three hundred. No, he's been under three hundred like his whole career. Wins, yeah. Taken, taken. He can't even get to five hundred. He's at under three hundred. Yeah. That's just sad. What the caliber of player Devin Booker is? He's a good player. I mean, like he's he's been he's been he's a very good player and. Honestly, I feel like his and talent he's a, is he's, being wasted. he's an improving player at that. His team, first just few a years player. in the league, he's, he's, he's an improving been player. He's improving, yes. He's but his first few years in the league have been he's significantly wasted. Exactly, we've seen him be amazing, uh, like points, like shooting threat, blah blah blah. This season, he's been amazing. He's been very good playmaking too. He's getting better at that every single season. Yeah. Um. I mean, as much as I don't like star players. Asking out and asking for demanding a trade, but like, I think I think one thing we could see is just wait for him, like maybe wait for him to see how DeAndre Ayton pans out. Yeah. I mean, we already know DeAndre Ayton is gonna be good. He's just gonna be a good his, player, just off his rookie season, but how good he can. But be. do we trust the Suns' management to to exactly produce a good team? Like you know, Suns. I don't even know if it's Suns' management because like it's not even their fault. I think it just starts from the top, bro. Robert, like look Robert at the coach Sarver, they hired, man. Robert Sarver is. Up there with James Dolan. They need a GM, right? They're looking for a GM. I don't even... The thing is, like, you heard, you heard that they're, they're handcuffing James Jones. As far as exactly. Like, what's the point of putting this guy as your GM if you're not going to let him fully Robert embrace the Sarver, job? Robert Sarver, man. Robert like, Sarver. Let the guy go. Let him see what he can do. Like, Robert if he messes up, he messes up. up there with guys like, Dolan. like James Dolan, Donald Sterling as most mm-hmm. incompetent owners ever. Like, seriously, he's garbage at all. list is getting pretty long. <laughs> he's garbage. He's he, there's no he's sense of leadership, he's nothing. Very, very well, there's bad. a sense of leadership of dysfunction from yeah, the top like for the Phoenix Suns. They're just garbage team in general. But, yeah, much. for me, it depends on the offseason. If the offseason goes Not well, even getting competent players to, like, not even getting a point guard to, like, who the hell is their point guard right now? Nobody knows. I thought it was Ali Okobo, but I think I'm wrong on that one. Like, fam, you have, like, some random dudes. Playing, like, get some dude from the gym. I'm pretty sure they'd be, like, better, <laughs> honestly. 
Yeah, I mean, so I mean, if they have a good offseason, I'm I'm under. But if they don't, I'm I'm saying up, man. I think Devin Booker should free Devin Booker, man. Just free him. So finally, are you up or under on Portland's chances with with the Nurkic injury? So if you all saw Nurkic was having a great game, great season, and a great season, but unfortunately suffered a uh, a broken tibia and a fibia. Uh, Pretty and, much his leg snapped in half like Paul George's. Yeah, and did. it was very ugly. And um, at least we haven't. At least we haven't had an injury like. Remember Kevin Ware's injury? You remember that? I don't think. I do. Okay, that was a while ago. People who know what I'm talking about. At least we haven't had an injury like that where his bone popped out of his skin and oh, stuff. Oh, oh yes, oh yeah. So at least we haven't had an injury like that where it's been that bad. Oh, why'd you remind me of that? But like. Oh. Damn, that was, it, it was just a bad uh, injury. So um, you up or under on their chances? I'm under now. The use of Nurkic, their their season was literally going this good, uh, based on a simple fact of use of Nurkic. Obviously, um, Lillard and CJ had are were better this season in their own rights in terms of playing defense, playmaking, blah blah blah. But their whole uh improvement this season was pretty much based off use of Nurkic having a career year. Uh, running a lot of the offense through him. Him and Damian Lillard had what the base, best pick and roll combo in the NBA. Yeah. Uh, according to like stats, pretty much. And Lillard said it himself. Like just just the way he sets screens, it's exactly it just frees him up. It's it's one of those things that, that Portland pretty that much them. relies on Yusuf Nurkic on both sides of the ball. He's literally yeah. arguably after Damian Lillard and CJ like the biggest. Honestly, you could even say like Yusuf Nurkic. Um, has like the second biggest impact on a team, or even at times, even the biggest impact, just because I what mean, he can do defensively and having an offense run through him, which Portland was doing more of this season. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's just it's unfortunate, and especially since he was having at least he got his money though this past season off season. Yeah. Um, which is good for him. At least he got his money. But like, I you mean, know. it sucks for Portland because now they lost CJ and now they lost but Nurkic, and I mean they they were. Having looking like they're gonna have a good seed and finally get rid of that whole playoff stench from last. I mean, season. I don't think they would have done it. I mean, I thought. Playoffs. I mean, at least they wouldn't have gotten swept. I thought, I don't think they would have. Yeah, they would be better in playoffs for sure. But, but it's just unfortunate you now. It's, it's unfortunate, but um, um, guys like Zach Collins, um, who else? Zach Collins. They may have to. They need guys like Mo and his Cantor, who's gonna start now, pretty much. Oh boy, and his Cantor is gonna start. Which I mean, offensive leads. He's not what Nurkic is. He can get you buckets. No, he can get buckets, but he gives up the passing, same amount on the other end. Exactly. So, um, and he's not as good of a passer as Nurkic is. No. So, I don't know, man. It's well, unfortunate. I mean, we'll see what happens if Dame can go berserk and lead the Trailblazers to Yeah, but, to like, win, you, can't, but you can't win without at least no. a good, good big man. Yeah, no. You know, you need, you need something. Yeah. And, yeah, with that, guys, hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. If you did... Definitely subscribe to all the various podcasting platforms where you can find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, Audio Boom, Google Podcasts, wherever you basically find podcasts, you can find us there. Uh, subscribe if you enjoyed the episode. Also, drop us a like, give us a rating if you guys enjoyed it. Uh, follow us on social media for all the latest up for all the latest updates. You know, whenever we post an episode, our reaction to some news when they occur. Follow us there. We're at on Twitter and Instagram at up n under pod up letter n under pod. Follow us there for the latest updates. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Take it easy. Easy.